0: Hey everyone, this is Mary and before we get into the episode I just wanted to take a quick minute and remind you that you can pre-order our book, Dolls of Our Lives, Why We Can't Quit American Girl um, at any bookseller of your choice. You can go to bookshop.org where you'll find our own store with a link to buy it from any independent bookseller. You can also go to our website dollsofourlivespod.com with another link to again buy it anywhere you want to buy your favorite books. We so appreciate all of you supporting our show, and we're so excited to share our book with you. We'll also be recording and releasing an audiobook version of the book, and we look forward to sharing that information with you soon. Thanks again, everyone. We really so, so appreciate all of you. Welcome, everyone, to Dolls of Our Lives. This is the podcast where we're reliving the American Girl series book by book. I'm Mary. I'm still Allison. Neither one of us is Barbie. No. Or Barbara. Or Barbara. Or Ruth. Or Ken. Or Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi,
1: Ken. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie.
0: Hi, Barbie. But we're both hashtag canuff, perhaps. I don't know. I think I'm knuff if I needed
1: to be. how has the barbie movie changed your life
0: wow i mean i've been i think the greatest compliment you can give anything in pop culture is like i've been thinking about it a lot yes and like i've been thinking about it a lot i did realize going to see it that i don't own anything pink which i think there was like a call to action like dress pink or barbie style i wasn't able to do that but I did have fun seeing everybody's outfits and things like that. It was the first time I'd been to a movie theater in like years, like years and years, since before the pandemic, actually. So it was like a big moment for me on all levels, but I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. But how do you feel about it?
1: I separate my clothes by color, like a cartoon character. So I went to the pink section of my closet and I made a choice accordingly. I have studied the Barbie movie twice. So I've like gone twice. I loved it very much. I found it a lot more compelling on second view because I wasn't as distracted trying to figure out what I was watching. Like I got very interested in kind of the mechanics of how they made the movie and how they replicated things about you know, how you play with Barbie and that's how like Barbie experiences Barbie land. But I enjoyed it a lot.
0: I did too. And Greta Gerwig, I think, got so much right about this. Like, I love the physical comedy of Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling more than him in a moment who like when she like goes on her side and like can't move her limbs and that way it's like very Barbie and like how she can't when her feet go flat I thought she really sold like a lot of the physical touches. Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie was like A++++, plus. loved her. And, you know, I thought the whole movie was really great. I think the best part of the movie for me was the push by Matchbox 20 montage. Like I thought in a lot of ways, and I know a lot of other people have said this, this is by no means a, a hot take or unique take, but. I think the movie could have easily been called Ken because mm. he ran away with this movie, I think, and it's really about male fragility. I'm just Ken. Anywhere
1: else I Is it my
0: destiny to live and die a life of blonde fragility? I think it's strongest when she's tackling that. I think like the white feminism jumps out a little too much sometimes, especially when even when she makes a joke about it, one of the characters calls Margot Robbie like white feminism Barbie or something like that. But it's like, you know, I said to you off air, like when America Ferreira is at the end of the movie going back to the quote real world, like she's going back to work for those like white bro CEOs at Mattel. And you know, like Issa Rae, who I, I'm a huge Issa Rae fan, like isn't really given a ton to do. And then it's like, well, things are gonna be different now. And it's like, no details, stay tuned. But I mean, not to be down about the movie, it makes it seem like I don't like it. I, I laughed so hard at this movie. I thought it was really, really funny.
1: I agree that Ken is kind of the surprising emotional center of a lot of the film. And I think there's kind of two different journeys. And I don't, this might be considered a spoiler, but there's kind of a lot pushed in the promotion that, you know, Barbie is always having the best day ever, but Ken only has a good day when Barbie looks at him. And a lot of this is yeah. about... Ken self-actualizing as a Ken and I read the rest of it as Barbie making a choice to become fully human Mm -hmm. and that that comes with like challenges and pain and you know there's something in the beginning of the film that was interesting we talked about it a lot when we read a history of Ruth Handler for our Patreon which was the idea that most mass-produced dolls were designed to teach children to be mothers. And then mm-hmm. Barbie is an adult. Barbie is something to emulate and aspire to as opposed to a younger person for you to take care of. And there's a fascinating Planet of the Apes style montage with girls and their dolls. For me, I think like having a little bit more history on Ruth Handler and thinking about where Barbie came from made me a lot more interested in it and also made me immediately want to buy Barbies. Like, I have been pulled to the Barbie aisle subconsciously
0: and almost bought more. Wow. I mean, see, I'm in a different place. Like, I'm not a huge Barbie person. So for me, like, the fact that I was, like, so vibing on it, I was like, that's really a credit to it. But, like, to get into the root of it all, like, I think we both were sort of surprised at how they presented her in the movie, given the book we just read.
1: Yeah, she plays a pretty important role in... Margot Robbie as Barbie kind of understanding different things about herself, I think having a little bit of backstory on how Mattel got created and where Barbie falls in the arc of Ruth Handler's life, you know, knowing that Barbie was named after her own daughter, Barbara, there was a rumor going around on the internet that a character who very briefly is in the film was actual Barbara. And I totally fell for that. That has been debunked. That is not Barbara. She's actually someone who's like big in the Hollywood behind the scenes scene. But yeah, this idea that Mm. Barbie is like comes from a place and is inspired by a real person and named for someone's real daughter and that they were in fact estranged is pretty
0: fascinating. It's weird that Ruth is presented in almost kind of a purgatory space and in within the Mattel world, it's almost like a Lion, Witch in Wardrobe, like you go through a cupboard and you enter this other portal and she's like in a do- very domestic space. And as this book suggests, like she openly was saying, like, I don't like being at home. Mm-hmm. Like she had two children she loved named Barbie and Ken, like that <laughs> yeah. naming in therapy, if you will. But, you know, she did not want to be a wife and mother who stayed at home. She did not identify with anything domestic. She really loved being a businesswoman. And in fact, Barbie was like a means to an end. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like the thing that was her life's work in which many ways, like Pleasant Rollins, like I would think American Girl is like her crowning achievement. Like it was very personal for her not so for Ruth. Like, I mean, Ruth was just as hyped that Hot Wheels really popped off a few years after Barbie came on the scene and G.I. Joe and like all these other things that her company produced as Barbie. So to have her presented like in this like kitchen scene with a sewing machine on the table was like, what's going on here? Like, why did they choose to do it this way?
1: What do you think was a takeaway of Barbie movie? Like, what do you think you were supposed to walk away with?
0: Unclear. I mean, I think there's a piece (laughs) of it that's like I always believe that intro to women's studies is for people who would never take it. Mm -hmm. Like that's the problem is that like the people who probably need to think about gender as a concept or, you know, the pressure, the power relations and all these things related to it would never actually sign up for that class. It's like kind of preaching to the choir in some sense. So in a way, I think Barbie the movie is kind of surreptitiously trying to educate people who would never sign up or pick up a book on that topic, just about the facts of like basic feminism, like issues of equity, and importantly, like masculinity issues. Like that to me was like what what she was trying to do there. Like to me, it was like, none of this is news, but it was like very funny the way it was packaged. And I did think the male fragility stuff like really landed. I think there should be more on that.
1: I hope there is a lesson in general that obviously we love to revisit things that we've enjoyed in the past. That's kind of how we, you know, landed here. There was something that felt so innovative, even though this was about a brand that a lot of people know really well. And I sincerely hope that the lesson isn't like make eight Barbie movies, but rather like hunt for something really amazing and see what people will go along with for a cinematic experience like that's not a lesson of embedded in the film but that is I hope a takeaway from this I had not been so excited to see a movie for a really long time
0: yeah I felt that way too and I feel like a lot of people walking into that theater it felt like an event it Mm -hmm. felt like an occasion and like I think people like to be part of a shared experience like I'm not someone who gets really hyped for like the Super Bowl, like I'm not really into football, but like people are like hungry for a shared experience and, you know, where you can like all dress on theme and like, you know, show up at something and then have something to talk about in common. And it's it felt nice to be back on that. It made me kind of nostalgic for like going to the movies in the summer, like these big summer movies that like I feel like that hasn't really happened in a while, at least like in my world. But it also made me somewhat curious about the American Girl movie or movies that might result from this like Mattel pairing with artists to allow them to make things that are in part really seeming to send up their own products.
1: Also, speaking of American Girl movie, maybe they could focus or someone could focus on maintaining the archive that already exists.
0: Somebody call Julia Roberts right now.
1: We're upset. We made a promise on a—I don't want to say a promise, but we dangled out into the universe that we would watch the Melody movie, and this is not an episode about the Melody movie because it
0: is missing. We honestly—I—I I thought it was me, like I thought I just couldn't find it, and I was going to appeal to my cousin who, like, related to Barbie, let his four-year-old daughter watch it on a phone on some website. He knows where he can download movies in the theater. That's another whole story. He was like, Yeah, I wasn't there when she watched it. I hope she got a lot out of it. I'm like, okay. Um, but you know, I'm sure he could find it for us if we need that. But we've tried to stay within legal like lanes on the show. It it's kind of stunning. Like Julie Roberts produced the Felicity movie, and I think Samantha, I'm not sure, but like she has her movies, the ones that she produced, they're out there. Mm-hmm. Where like what is what have you been able to unearth about the Melody movie? Thank you for asking. You know, I want to talk about some of the
1: cinematic high points that we've experienced, starting with the Felicity movie, right? That's really, the number one. That Nothing will ever top that movie for me ever. Like a horse out of a gate. It's not what you think. It's not, it's what, not, you not think. what you think. Shailene Woodley, like, proving her acting chops, going later into the fault in our stars, right? Like, you know, honestly, like, amazing springboard.
0: Yeah. Great story career. Story out. Obviously. Mm-hmm.
1: We have that. We have the next cinematic high point, which for me is the Kit movie, which actually debuted in theaters, a cast that no American Girl character has like really deserved. You know, we had Joan Cusack, we had Stanley Tucci, like way too many famous people. Marsha Gay Harden, for gosh sakes, has been an American Girl movie. Cut to the Mary Ellen movie. It was a film,
0: right? It was a film. It happened. We watched it. Somebody rolled tape on that. There it were people was, who I hope got a nice check for that. We hope. I don't know. It was we love, I'm, an I'm hour. thinking about them.
1: You know, And so we are looking wow. at these kind of two different eras. I want to say we have an early era of Julia Roberts produced high quality films. The Molly movie, the Samantha movie, all of these are really wonderful, along with Felicity. Then we have Kit, which they put in theaters as a proper cinematic feature. And then we have this more recent batch of films, which also includes a Julie movie and a Mary Ellen movie, which we just watch. And we do our diligence when we plan for this show. I look up links. I make sure that things are accessible. Amazon produced a series of American Girl films that are the most recent, including the Melody movie in 2016. They created this. They have also destroyed it like frankenstein and its monster they said no moss they took the melody movie love has to win and they said actually love might lose we have decided there's no more melody movie have you seen any of it
0: no and my eyebrows are like arched up to my hairline at this point like what the hell is going on so melody movie was taken
1: off of the amazon prime website you are only able to find reviews We plan, you know, far in advance, but we also look at things closer and truly it was not that long ago that we just checked in on this film and then we planned to record this episode and love was lost, love was missing. Thankfully, a few people have uploaded a good amount of this film on TikTok as recently as late 2022, so I was able to watch a good portion of it, but you cannot watch it in its entirety because it was not released in a DVD package, unlike other films, and it is not on the Amazon website, and I would never do this, but unscrupulous people who might use websites to find things, shockingly, this wasn't hot on the dark web, so- damn.
0: So you're saying we have to basically go on TikTok and watch this like a Taylor Swift concert at this point? Like that's the only way to get into this?
1: Maybe someone has filmed it some other way, but I have a suspicion based on the footage that I was able to watch. A primary reason that people were sharing their snippets of the Melody movie is they felt that it was so resonant in their own lives. There is a scene where young Melody is basically scolded by a teacher um, right leading into a field trip, and young people are asked to hold hands, and a white student who would have to hold hands with Melody refuses, and there's a conflict that ensues. But the scene that I think may have gotten this removed from Amazon Prime is when Melody is in her classroom, and she objects to the Pledge of Allegiance, and she says, I want to know why the Pledge of Allegiance is a lie. And she's scolded for interrupting her class and she's called a delinquent. And Melody is not taking this. She starts to um, chant the Pledge of Allegiance is a lie. And she talks about racism and the fact that the country is divisible because she is living through it. And so I suspect with the way that certain streaming services have been purging certain content that was not allowed to stand. Please note, folks, that the mary ellen movie is fine like no one
0: of course (laughs) of course oh my god wow i mean that description makes me want to see it all the more that is wild like can we speculate basically from what you're saying that like jeff bezos and company were basically like it's too hot with the moms for liberty and ron desantis of it all that we're gonna pull this off the platform
1: So a lot of content that features certain themes, right, or characters have been pulled, right? So we've heard from listeners, we've heard from other people that there is content that people really adored, particularly content that featured queer characters in a positive way that is simply Mm -hmm. being taken off of streaming services. I do find it really striking that Melody is such a recent character and to see the way that she has been abandoned and to also know that people have really spoken out in strong favor. Like, if the people who interact with us are any measure, the interest level in Claudie Wells is sky high. People love this character. They want to consume things with this character. And it's been a very gradual rollout of additional content. And you kind of wonder what maybe the motivation is there. But based on this and other scenes that I've caught a glimpse of on TikTok, There's quite a bit with Sister Yvonne. There's talk about protests, about activism. Mm -hmm. I think as kind of an interesting segue, the book that we read for today asks us to go back in time with Melody. When you look at the fact that this film has been pulled, you know, that option is like slowly being taken away from a lot of students and places, right? Even the idea of entertaining, imagining life in a moment of civil unrest is being taken off the table.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just sort of feels surreal at times, like what is going on with a lot of this censorship. And I do think from everything you've said, like it would seem like the corporation made a decision to bow to any kind of controversy and take it off with that in mind, which is wild to me. I mean, it's like we were just talking about Barbie, like Mattel made some kind of calculation to be like, we're going to accept whatever anyone says about this, like, I would say very strongly feminist message. We're going to co-sign that, whatever it might cost us to people who don't share those views because we think this is a way to kind of like fre- like relaunch our brand or like keep it relevant. Amazon by exchange is like going the opposite direction it would seem and like pulling things that might seem, you were talking about the Pink Lady show like also was pulled and some listeners pointed us to that because we had said we were going to watch that too and it was mm-hmm. gone within like two weeks or something. It's revealing, right? We've had the conversation
1: that some American Girl character books have been removed from curriculum or have been taken off of library lists, or, you know, people have kind of changed their perspective on those books. And other characters, notably, have stayed consistently safe. Molly and Felicity being among the two that are not considered controversial. Whereas, you know, and we don't know, right? We don't know the exact reason why the Melody movie is gone. But the fact that Amazon produced this film, it's not as if there's some other logistical conflict. This is their film that is now taken off of their platform and there is no other way to consume this film. Well, HBO, I... yeah, they've been under criticism for the fact that when they take things off of streaming services, now that most services no longer offer extensive DVD or other packages, you do not have a way to consume this content.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's also worth bringing into this conversation that the state of Florida just released its American history curriculum for the year, in which it openly suggests that you should, when talking about slavery, say that slaves and people benefited from slavery, which is insane like I mean I don't even know how anyone in this year could put those views out but to think that people are using like the mechanism of curriculum which is absolutely going to influence kids to put out these like really fact like scary factually inaccurate views and then in our pop culture people are like being overly cautious about the influence they might have on kids um to take on what some might call progressive views I mean I don't think that they are it's like it's it's just it's wild to me
1: also you know worth noting as people like Debbie Reese have pointed out that something like Barbie is an imperfect vehicle right there are you know there is a line in the film that is offensive right about indigenous culture and the spread of a certain disease there's you Mm -hmm. know kind of like the calculation to include a kind of Mount Rushmore and there's you know more going on with that but You know part of why we look at these things and we kind of pick at them is there's a lot that we can learn from them i think that's where the fact that american girl chose this model of choose your own adventure books becomes something worth really looking at right we knew that we wanted Mm. to do more with melody We chose not to dig super deeply into Nenea's Choose Your Own Adventure books, because they are challenging. They are not linear, they are not easy to talk about. But I think with Melody in particular, the fact that there has been a constriction on how much other content you can consume, the fact that this book is safe, but her film is not, you know kind of talking about what are you asked to do in a book like this and what was taken off the table with getting rid of the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to think about, like, how different genres are perceived to have different levels of influence on kids and the choices that you can make as a parent and um, in, in what you choose to, like, offer to your kids. Like, I wonder with this book, is it different from some of the others where because it's Choose Your Own Adventure, like, are we imagining kids reading this on their own and kind of like going on that personal journey? Is this something that parents are meant to read with kids? Like, I don't know. But... What is What was your experience reading this book and like, were you someone who read Choose Your Own Adventure books?
1: This may be the first Choose Your Own Adventure that I've either ever read or read in a long time. Music in my heart promised what I thought was going to be kind of, you know, a lighthearted romp perhaps, or I don't know. I don't really know okay. what I expected. I'll talk a bit about the choices that I made in reading this book and my examination, but generally choose your own adventure is not for me. Like to me, that's in the author's hands. Like I chose you as an author. Oh, wow. You choose the adventure. Like this so, would, no, not yes. me for me.
0: So like your life as a reader is like, Jesus, take the wheel. Like I don't want to drive. I've asked you to give me a ride. Wherever you want to go is cool.
1: Yeah, even the very stressful notion of physically, because I read a physical book and you did not, the physical fact that I knew there were pages in between that I was not reading because I was being asked to flip to other pages. If this isn't a tactile experience you've ever had, I did not like that. Interesting.
0: Hmm. Um, I read the Kindle version of this, and I also should say, like, this was my situation reading this book. I was on a train. I was going to New York for the day, and a man saw me reading this book on my laptop. I was doing some work, and I stopped, and I was reading this book. And he looked over and he was like, Oh, is that for school? Allison, as you know, I just turned 37 years old. Like, I'm like, uh, I was speechless. I was like, Are you kidding? I was like, "Uh, No. And then I was sort of embarrassed. Like, I don't really want to get into why I'm reading a book for children when I have none and I'm not one, but I was like, whatever. So that's kind of where I went. So we had like different interesting experiences reading this because you read the hard copy, I read Kindle. But when I heard music in my heart, I thought it was a reference to the Meryl Streep movie, Music of the Heart. No, not what that was about. I didn't grow up, I did read some of, there is a brand of book or called Choose Your Own Adventure. Like I thought that was a reference for a long time to like the style of this book. It's not, it's an actual like brand of book and I can get into like, how this man invented that or these two guys. But to me, like the best choose your own adventure thing of all time is their Twitter thread game. Um, your Beyonce's assistant. Don't get fired. Do you remember when that happened? I do not. OK, so this woman made this incredible game that literally she built in a Twitter thread and I will find it and post it. But basically, like you go through and you have to make decisions about what kind of food Beyonce wants for breakfast and so on. And then it like bridges off into all these different directions, just like this book. And, you know, basically you get fired real fast unless you really know what you're doing. Um, So that kind of thing I thought was fun. And that was, again, like on a touch screen. So I wondered, like, if it was easier for me to engage because you're not having to flip The pages back and forth between the different options of course like Oregon Trail Game is another kind of choose your own adventure game but like this is kind of like taking us back to the egg like before there were video games on that model there were books and like how did you feel about this book
1: I found it challenging I will say this I want to give us kind of like the baseline summary so people know like how this starts and how this ends right because there is a basic structure that the book follows where no matter what like you do begin in the same place Mm. and denise lewis patrick is given partial authorship credit i think because melody is her character but this was really written by someone else which i also found a bit jarring
0: the tone was different the voice of the book was different
1: the voice of the book was different and if you look this up you can see that like you, right? Like you are asked to step back in time and to go on a journey with Melody. That's written by Erin Faligan. And so this is not all like the same author that we have been used to, but we are going to Melody's world. And I want to just give us that quick kind of publisher's description to see like how they frame the book. Okay. What would it be like if a girl suddenly found herself in Melody Ellison's world in the midst of the civil rights movement of the 1960s? Together, she and Melody could speak up about fairness, join a demonstration, volunteer with a civil rights group, or even use her voice to sing back up in a Motown musician, for a Motown musician. Reader's Journey Back in Time can take whatever twists and turns they choose, as they select from a variety of exciting options in this multiple-ending story. I deny, honestly i'm not sure i wanted to be on this journey and i say that with complete respect like just the notion to me what makes historical fiction so powerful is you are you are showing without telling and this was all Mm. about like a kind of abrupt and clunky telling like i am fine reading a book like orphan train i don't want to be on a train from the
0: 1930s that's right I think that that's that's a good point. I kind of am wondering if this is a good moment to kind of like bring in the history of this like series because I think it leads to a point that I think is important for why maybe we didn't enjoy this book versus like what it was inspired to do. So like this, the series Choose Your Adventure was first published in 1976, which is kind of an interesting era to think about for like kind of empowering kids to be at the center of their own narratives. Anyway, by Edward Packard... And who was the other guy's name? Da, 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 da. Okay. Interestingly, I just pulled up the Wikipedia page because I can't find, I didn't put the other guy's name in my notes. Sorry <laughs> to that man, to quote Kiki Palmer. <laughs> but what's interesting is let's just go with Ed for a second. Um, and there's an, an article in the New Yorker about the history of this genre where Leslie um, goes and interviews Edward Packard. And then the other person has passed. Um, but essentially he was reading to his kids and when he would tell them stories at night, he would start because they wanted different kinds of stories. He would write in different options and then they could kind of choose different options. And they would have different outcomes and he would make it up on the fly. And then he decides he's a lawyer that like his fun activity or hobby will be to try to write this as a book. Mm. And he syncs up with this other mysterious man whose name is not in front of me. And both of them, oh, wait. Montgomery, R.A. Montgomery. Yes, I think that's his name. Anyway, they both were like, let's try to give this a go with publishing. They submit it to an agent. It gets rejected like again and again and again. They get a small publisher to publish it. It sells very well. That convinces a big publisher to publish it. And it gets like huge sales. Interestingly, Ed Packer on a family road trip says to his daughter, what do you think a good choose your own adventure book would be? This is the first book. And she's like, I don't know, in a cave because she had just gone to summer camp and gone in a cave. He writes this first book is called The Cave of Time for which she gets credit for the concept and she's gotten royalties the whole time. So that's interesting. But at the center of this is like a nebulous you. So it's like you right. walking through these scenarios and like you have to make decisions that have real stakes. Incredibly and of course, one of the books is set on the Titanic for example and you have to try to warn someone about what's happening and of course nobody takes you seriously and like You know, we all know how that ends. But I think a key difference, according to like people who have looked at this, is sort of like there are real stakes in the choose your own adventure books, like as crazy as they get. Some of them are about aliens. We won't even go into that hearing. But like, you know, the stakes feel real to the reader that like you have real agency and the stakes you make will determine the outcome of like this bigger situation you find yourself in. I think for me, that was lacking in this book. Like, that's the thing I missed. We have this kind of like nebulous character who is not us, but we're walking with her back into the past. Like we're grounded with her in the beginning of the book, at least my beginning of the book in her playing piano and she plays lift every voice and sing. And when she plays that song, she goes back in time to melody's world and she can come back and forth playing that song. But like, we're in, we go home with her. We see her mom's conversation. Her dad's a congressman. Like she has, like, there's a whole fleshed out character that we're just sort of like walking besides. It's not us.
1: So I think that's interesting because you're supposed to take on her point of view. And to the question about there being no stakes, everything that happens in this book, it would matter a lot whether her point of view is from being young and black or not.
0: Exactly. That's exactly right.
1: You are not asked to know that, nor are you asked to decide that. And this is not me criticizing the author. This is something that I could not really get past. And I'll talk about like the journey that I chose to take the first time that I read it through and kind of like what that involved and did not involve. But that's where it was very hard for me to assess. Are you supposed to assume that because she knows what is a very important Black spiritual song, Lift Every Voice and Sing, that the POV is that you are a young Black person. Like, did you assume that as you went back with her or no?
0: I I guess I did because there was a scene in one of my, I went through this book two or three times, and in one of those attempts, I'm in the bedroom with the sisters and Lila is braiding or attempting to braid Melody's hair. Melody's too excited and she won't sit still. But when I was in that scene, I was like, this is very like intimate as a scene, but also the way they were talking about hair braiding, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to understand this. And I felt uncomfortable because as a white person, of course I don't. And I was like, this just puts, I, I'm like, I know I'm not that character. Like she is differentiated from like us as the reader, but it felt sort of like, is this, should this be happening? Like, it does this feel like appropriation? Like, what, you know, what are you supposed to feel? But if she is not you,
1: right, because you are correct that you are supposed to walk alongside and be kind of within the POV of this character, why make her cultural context so superficial, right? We learn that her father is working all the time. This is like, the modern American, like girl boss move, like someone is running for office in the family, yep. mom is an administrator of a school where the budget is really strapped, and so music is in danger. It really, really matters the lessons that this person takes away, what their background is. And so, keeping that impossible to discern, I think, is a really fascinating choice on behalf of the brand. And this is honestly me not picking apart how an author chose to do it. It just made me think a lot about the medium. Really and truly, like, books are my favorite hobby because I love inhabiting someone else's point of view. I didn't understand if I was me next to this person. I didn't understand how to read this book. Like, I'm actually being serious. I had a hard time juggling who is this person because dropping a young white person who is clueless in Detroit in the summer of 1964 is still very different than dropping a young black person who has experienced life in the mid two thousands and is now living in 1964. And that differentiation never happens in any of the journeys you go on. Like she's part of a sit in at one point and you don't understand how people are interacting with her Based on race or background.
0: Right. And, you know, I I just sort of like, I'm wondering, like, you know, I don't know what the author's process was, but in terms of like thinking about taking this on, like, are you imagining like a, a broader white readership of American Girls books? And are you thinking to yourself at some point, like, if I engage time travel, I'm also engaging white supremacy? Like, you can't go back in time without engaging that. And like, how is the genre choice of this book? Or the setup of it of a choose your own adventure, like kind of trying to sidestep that. Like we can't all choose the same adventure in the past. Not to like be the like to read too much into this because I know it's a kids book, but hello, like that's what this whole show is. Like, I mean, it would be very different. And I wondered about like there would there be moments of code switching if you know I'm a white girl from Connecticut reading this book. If I showed up in their past as me, like would there have been code switching in the scene in the theater? Where, that's being shut down. I don't know if you went on that adventure or like some other elements like or in the family moments or in the church. Like it just feels like it would be different. So I feel like, you know, I don't envy anyone who attempted to write this kind of book because I think it's very, very challenging. But I'm wondering, like it did make me think about that the whole time I read it.
1: So I want to speak to how I chose to do this. Right. So we open up with a musical scene and I flipped to the end to see like roughly, you know, just I like to know how long is it going to take me to do my first read through? Because I saw that there are more than 20 ways to read this book. So I was curious, right? Like, how am I going to actually do this? And I chose to go upstairs, right? Like there's a very basic choice you make within the first 20 pages. And I recorded a song with Dwayne. That was the choice that I made.
0: I'm actually really jealous of this because I never got there. You never
1: got there, but here's what's really fascinating as kind of a commentary on the year that this book came out, which is 2016. I kept looking, again, this is the benefit of a physical book for how I chose to read it. I kept looking at the pages in between, and I kept seeing that there was a world in which I would have met Rosa Parks, and there was a world in which I was like part of a boycott and a sit-in and all these other experiences. When I tell you that the Dwayne journey I went on was so basic and there was literally no activism, there was a way to sit and read this book where you engaged in, like, truthfully no activism. And then I flip back through and there's, you know, a scene where, like, Dwayne has a confrontation with the police I experienced none of that because I chose to go upstairs, which I think is maybe a commentary on class. But I followed someone upstairs. (laughs) I recorded a song with Dwayne. It made me feel like, am I like a Drake side character or something? That was my preliminary experience. When I read all the different ways that you could process this and started flipping back through, it was stunning to me that you could read this entire book as I did my first go through and have no encounter with Rosa Parks, no conversations with Yvonne, just Hit Town USA.
0: Damn. I mean, yeah. first of all, I'm really disappointed at apparently how basic this was because in my mind, again, when I was reading this on a train, a child alone on a train, um, I, on the, you know how on the Kindle you just like tap and it goes to the next page? Like I had a I page don't. at the end of, okay. Never, I've <laughs> never touched a Kindle. Like I. Not even like on your phone, like the phone no, app never. or your laptop. Okay. Well, whatever. um So anyway, <laughs> it's like if you just tap the page at the bottom, it will go to the next page. So I did that because I was at the end of a chapter, but I didn't really, and I hadn't chosen the option yet. At the end of my chapter, I'd get like, click this or click that basically go upstairs, stay downstairs, And maybe this is a difference between us, but I hit click, I hit stay downstairs. I was like, I feel safe down here, whatever. But I also, before that, I went, I tried to see if it would let me go to the next page and it would, and it was like all about Dwayne. And then I was like, well, I don't know what this is about because it was kind of out of context. So I went back and picked stay downstairs. Then I ended up with Yvonne and whatever, but I was just like, I'm sorry, like, why can't all of us, like, why can't Dwayne be part of every storyline? And it also just felt like my choices took me to a lot of activist activities, which I'm not mad at. But you know what? Some of us like to let our hair down at the end of the day, too. I would have liked to hang out with Dwayne after being at a sit-in or running in the rain after Rosa Parks to return her umbrella and getting a little, like, you know, TED talk on leadership. Like, That was all wonderful. And it's like, I would also like to have like girls want to have some fun. And I had no fun. I was like on the clock the entire time I read this book. It sets up like kind of to me, like an
1: unintentionally fascinating commentary on like the world of 2016, like right on the precipice where it's like you could choose to actually live in reality and be horrified or you could record a song with Dwayne.
0: You know what? I mean, I mean, like kind of Barbie part
1: one. I when- I didn't understand the consequences of choosing being with Dwayne and the three Ravens. I had a great time, but I knew like lingering in the background. I was like, there's a Rosa Parks drop in. I've seen the word bookmobile. I don't know yet what that involves. I know there's okay, a shot was- moment
0: yes there was i can tell you about my plot lines because i was out there doing stuff in the streets not necessarily having a lot of fun but like you know we got some things done so i'll just like let you know what melody and i were up to in the first pass i took through this book i ended up with in the basement stuffing envelopes with lila and yvonne and melody and that's where I met Rosa Parks. And by, when I say meet, I mean, I saw her across the room with Melody and we both were like freaked out, nervous. Like the time I met Jen Rosati, except I didn't meet her. <laughs> and when they were like, oh my God, now she's leaving. And we didn't speak to her because they were like really in their heads about what to say. Again, highly relatable. And then one of them was like, oh my God, she forgot her umbrella. And then you have to choose. Do you want to? tell Yvonne that Rosa Parks forgot her umbrella or do you want to grab the umbrella yourself and run out in the street and return it and like have a moment? So of course I chose that. And Rosa Parks was lovely and basically said, like we were basically like, we're your biggest fans. Like Melody and I were like, and this character, not me, was like, I'm your biggest fan. And Rosa Parks was like, you know what? Like everyone can be a leader. Doesn't matter how old you are. Like everyone can make a change in their community. Very empowering we go back inside we end up going to the bookmobile with lila i guess the next day time is like a flat line in this book and lila makes the remark that there's only one book in the whole bookmobile by a black author Mm -hmm. and it's a collection of poems by langston hughes and so i this character who i'm with is basically like i'm remembering rosa parks i'm going to do something in my community And basically starts a game of telephone in the line of the bookmobile telling every kid to request a book by a black author so they'll buy more books by black authors. I guess
1: I have a hard time, even in like a children's book, going back in time and not immediately fearing like dating my own grandpa or butterfly. I'm sorry, the
0: back to the future problem. I mean, that's real.
1: Like, butterfly affecting myself out of existence. There's something, like, so powerful to me. Like, I think I really, really loved the Melody books because it's so about, like, choosing agency, right? And, like, choosing Mm. to be bold and to be brave. And I think the author of the Melody books, like, honestly, iconic moment when it's, like, the president was just assassinated, right? But, like, she moving on, real historical events in a way that feels meaningful The idea that Rosa Parks, like, leaves her umbrella or they start this kind of protest of the bookmobile, it felt like playing at history in a way that, to me, feels counter to what the best of this brand offers, right? Like, I really felt Mm -hmm. reading and rereading the Molly books, like, I was at a kitchen table being forced to eat a vegetable I didn't want to eat. Like, I was sitting with Molly, having this point of view that you're supposed to kind of like sit alongside or take on of this unmarked person just doesn't work for me as a concept and I will say like clearly the person who wrote this book is extremely effective at this because she's written basically all of them as part of the Be Forever series yeah. so this is her thing so this is not me being critical of really even this book I was like this is not what I asked fiction to do for me does that make sense?
0: yeah i think what you're describing is kind of like what how it changes things to have the fourth wall broken yes like they're looking directly at us the people in this world and the author and i find that to be it takes me out of it so like i would rather watch molly navigate 1942 and I'm in the room, but I'm not seen by anyone else in that imaginary room. They're living their lives. They're in 1942. And I get to visit every time I open the book. And then when I'm done, I leave. And I'm not in any way influencing events there or vice versa. I mean, they might impact me as a person, but I'm not going to, like to your point, change anything that's happening in 1942. And when Rosa Parks shows up, I literally was just like, this is such a weird gamble. Like, it yes. took me out of it because I was like, I felt like I was in a weird textbook where it's like, obviously, like Rosa Parks is going to be taught as part of the civil rights movement. But it makes it it kind of like it's her winking at us. Like, here's Rosa Parks. Like, do you want to run after Rosa Parks and return her umbrella? And it's like, I don't want to impact Rosa Parks. Like, I want to leave her alone in like the like. distance of time like she doesn't need she doesn't need to have a conversation with some like fake character that's my proxy in this book you know what I mean like it just it makes it seem like it's not real and I want it to feel real
1: I think where I can view this as having the potential to empower right if not for me personally but for a different reader this idea that you could feel yourself in any place and whether this is true or not but like in any place in any time that you could be brave enough to take action, right? Because I think that's like a big part of the underlying thrust of this book. The notion that, you know, within like moments of seeing injustice at the bookmobile, you are there for like a defining moment or the fact that you could be put back into that soda shop and that you would sort of act a certain way. There's something that I find like increasingly important about the fact that Felicity is written as so clueless. Right, that Felicity Mm. like chooses to not see, and that we've been able to kind of talk about that and like work through that and think about that. There's something so telling about the moment in which that was written. This book asks us, as you say, to kind of like play and like gamify the moment. And we were asked to do that when we were kids with Oregon Trail and to kind of like figure out a way to survive. We are both currently like not doing a great job, but we are taking care of Tamagotchis. And it's not going great. It's not going, going great. That. Mine is in the car. It's hot. You know what? I'm sorry. Like, I'm
0: not perfect. Um, oh, my God. As a parent, I don't your have car, like make an alarm so you wouldn't close the door or like check before. My car's no. not new enough to do that. But like, I know cars Mine's, do that now.
1: I don't have a car that does that. The van that we drive at work is always like, did you check the back seat? And I'm like, you know what? Good call. Um, no, my my Fair. Tamagotchi is in the car. The sun is going down. I'm going to have to go with it. With this idea that like you would drop into any period in time and you would know to do the right thing, I think maybe felt more sincere and possible for an authorial group even seven years ago. Like today, that hits me like really different.
0: Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I think it kind of, if anything, reading this book really pointed to me how difficult it is to write historical fiction and how much even more difficult it must be to do it for an audience of children. Like I think what I'm learning or what I'm just like coming down on is like choose your own adventure that invites any reader, you don't know who's gonna read your book, into a past that's fraught with so many inequities and whatever. Like the last thing you should do is do a choose your own adventure framing. And like you should not like just create that world with your own knowledge and invite us there as spectators who can't influence events. Like I I just feel like after reading this book, I feel pretty strongly about that.
1: This protagonist also is not she's just like not an 18th of as concerned as I would be that I'm not going to get out. And what she's actually she's not
0: worried at all. There's never no. a moment where she panics. She's like, OK, cool. Like literally in the first one I told you about when they're when she's stuffing envelopes or like, do you want to come stuff envelopes tomorrow? In other words, like stay overnight. And she's like, yeah. no problem. And she was like, I see Melody like calling her mom to ask if she can do something theoretically i would ask my mom but like i don't know she's not here and i don't know how time works she's like yolo like i'm gonna stay and it's like what do
1: you think that we're told that the protagonist's mother is not even alive yet in 1964 so that we as adults won't perseverate on the fact that she could like create herself out of existence with like the wrong goofy decision or that was
0: just me I don't think it's just you, but like, I don't know that I was like fixating on that. But yeah, that's a good point. But also like with the mom of it all, like the the pattern of the book is like the family fixes something in 1964. The main protagonist goes back to whatever year that's supposed to be in the present. And she's like, yeah, mom. And then like she does something mirroring what she's seen Melody do. And like basically the end of the second time I read it, she was like, yeah, mom, like we should, you should do something to save the music program at school. And her mom's like, okay, I'll try. And she's like, thumbs up. Like I did it. And it's like, it also makes weird comparisons between like what Melody and her family are doing and like what this person is doing in like 2000, whatever. So the key
1: to moving through time in this book is singing, lift every voice and sing. And I think something I kind of got, you know, hung up on was, In the first Melody book, right, her ability to sing the solo and then to be joined by a chorus of people who support and love her and have gotten her through the trauma, really, of learning about the bombing that had just occurred that summer. That's such a moment of, like, collective community power. And then in this book, we were talking about this off air, kind of like a 90s sitcom. Now there's just suddenly this, like, eccentric funny way that this song becomes like a tool to travel through time.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are so many, it's interesting because you brought that up and it's like, there are so many moments in the sitcoms we grew up on where for no reason, like, I don't know if people, the writers just like lost ideas. Like, I don't know, they were like out of ideas and they're like time travel, let's do it. But there were so many shows that basically like went use time travel to change things or to explore something but the things they use them for were like actually stunning like the number one one of the most prominent examples to me is like in Safe by the bell when zach goes and visits his dead indigenous ancestor and it's just like i'm incredulous that that even happened
1: well we were talking about family matters right which mm-hmm. was to me like My family didn't really watch Cosby show. And so Family Matters was for me like the first mainstream sitcom that I watched that featured a black family in the 1990s. And that show dealt with a lot of topics. They dealt with, you know, the father being a member of the police and his own son, right? Like dealing with in, you know, a bad encounter with a police officer when he's pulled over, That show at some point decided that, like, instead of just having a quirky neighbor, they would have that neighbor create himself a hot body double who would tease the teenage daughter in the family. And they would use time travel to, like, further enrich the show. I remember watching that being, like, nine and thinking, I don't need this. Like, the family drama (laughs) was enough for me. Like, I was a huge step by step fan. I was like, I don't need magic and surrealism. Like, I just need an interesting dynamic, and I'm good.
0: So you weren't into Stefan, the Steve to Stefan changeover?
1: No, and I found it like if you don't recall this particular plotline, like the goofy neighbor who has a longstanding crush on daughter Laura can enter into what is basically like a Ken doll box made for an adult and turn into like a conventionally attractive person who's very smooth and suave. I never knew what you were really supposed to get from that.
0: Yeah, it, it's very odd. And then like as the show ends, Laura gets to choose like basically who she wants to be with Stefan or Steve and she chooses Steve. So it's kind of like nerds win question mark. But it's like, did we but like, did he use that science to any other end other than to make himself? Hot? <laughs> like, You know, honestly, I like mean, I'd I have to know. go back into the
1: archive to determine, you know, but to that point, right, like. The music, right, has such a power that is so spiritual and profound and impactful in the melody books and to me, real. Like, you know I am not a fantasy girly. In this book, it's like, well, if I just sing a song, like, I'll end up somewhere else. If you were, like, curious about my take on this book, like, clearly this is just, like, not a genre that I fall into easily.
0: Yes. I,
1: I think, like,
0: you, you're you not vibing on the Choose Your Own Adventure <laughs> like standard and I'm with you on that one I get it I think like I have nicer memories although again I can't remember the plots of any of the books like I did read the chooser and adventure books because it just felt like cool to be surprised or to feel like you were in charge like I remember that feeling of like oh I'm like sort of like creating the plot of this book like that's cool and I did love the Beyonce game which I'll post the link to and even like Oregon Trail was like the unexpected. I mean, not with no knowledge of like colonialism or white supremacy, like playing that book as a playing that game in like air quotes, like computer class when I was like eight years old, like it felt cool, like to not know what was going to happen. I didn't have video games at home. So like this was sort of like exciting for me. But now it's sort of looking back, especially when you bring when you said it in the past, what are you really doing? Like we can't all choose the same adventure. And we can't all experience the past in the same way. So it kind of doesn't seem like it works. And maybe that's,
1: you know, my coming to it is actually me being narrow minded, right? Like I really felt like I need to understand my protagonist. Like I'm so into like character driven books. To Mm. me, the notion that I know all of these peripheral things about my protagonist, but I don't know basic things about her to me, really does feel counter to what American Girl does well. Like, it matters that Kirsten is Swedish-American. Right. It matters that she doesn't speak the same language as her air quotes, replacement Marta, best friend, singing bird.
0: Right. Right. And I think it's also kind of like, I don't know, there's just a lot swirling in my head, but I think it matters that you have an author who, like, firmly makes a character grounded in the past based on research and we aren't invited into it as the reader to be active participants in the narrative as it unfolds. We have a certain distance from it, which means like we can appreciate it as different than our own experience and learn from it. I just was working with some students who were working with the Harriet Beecher Stowe Center, and we went on a tour with them and whatever. And it was really interesting to hear like Harriet Beecher Stowe got a ton of criticism for a whole host of things, but among them that she had like made up a lot of the experiences that she used for the book. And then she ends up like publishing a key to the book with the anecdotes and the historical evidence that she based it on. But it's like, you know, to that point, like however problematic that book is now, like that was not, she wanted people to be moved by the narratives. She didn't invite them in, in a choose your own adventure. Like, I want you to map your experience on the people I'm talking about in this book. Like it was entirely fictional. And I think having a closed loop like that seems to be important.
1: It's really telling to me that the peek into the past, which is called About Melody's Time in this book, um, it takes a really broad frame, like maybe one of like the largest kind of nets that we have looked at so far. And it talks a lot about, you know, Ruby Bridges and other like children who were activists in the 1960s. Mm. And I think I wish I had read that first because it did provide me the perspective that like a larger arc of this book was meant to show you that like anyone can be an activist. You don't have to be an adult. Right. right? But that felt extra bizarre to me because on my journey with Dwayne, it was like music only.
0: Yeah. Like I had a nice time.
1: I had a great time at Hitsville, USA. I recorded a song. I had, you know, and there is an activist component there. And part of my journey when I went back to meet Melody, my first read, was I found my passion, which I think is an important precursor to activism. But Ruby Bridges was not saying, like, my passion is school integration. She was just a child forced into that situation.
0: Yeah. And I think that kind of brings it back to like when you differentiate between like parts of someone's life and kind of divide them up or compartmentalize them to be different, air quotes, adventures you can go on, you lose some of the complexity that makes all of us interesting as people. Like I can be an activist and I could be like in elementary school. Like Melody is like a student. She's a gardener. She's a daughter, sister and an activist and all these other things and a musician And I think by like pulling those apart and like with the Dwayne of it all, again, I didn't go on that journey. It's like it would seem somewhat like you don't get the complexity of Dwayne or Melody by doing that.
1: Or this idea that Melody wouldn't have a lot of questions like she's actually a very curious person. And you're supposed to just suppose that you, like, drop in on her world and we learn, like, you know, that Melody takes lessons and, like, how all of this is going to fit together. And Melody is so welcoming immediately. She's like, oh, yeah, like, you're not on the roster, but it's not a problem. Like, you can be part of the album. You can be part of the performance. Right. And, like, her, you know, inclination to be inclusive just, like, allows this person to tag along. But I just kept asking myself, like, who am I with? Like, what what am I doing here? not in a good like existential barbie way but like why why is this particular thing happening right now
0: i mean a powerful question i don't have an answer for you but like it's i mean i think the funniest part of the book to me was like the narrator was just in no way stressed at all about potentially being trapped in 1964.
1: No, truly, if you do get decide to give this
0: she a, was like, a read, All she's good. like, what if
1: I leave, leave too early? She's like, what if I kind <laughs> of flop and I'm not able to like complete what I need to do here? You know, starting and ending with the fact that she is facing problems in the contemporary world, like particularly the one that I was asked to drill down on was the school music program being defunded. Mm. That did feel kind of like eerily, you know, like foreshadowing of lots of other things that's to come. And you know that her dad is running for office and is therefore kind of absentee. And she's like, but it's fine. Like, he's finding his passion.
0: <laughs> he's like, following his bliss. It's okay. But, like, you know, the music defunding plotline did remind me of music of the hurt. I'm like, that's exactly the theme of that movie. I'm like, maybe this author was low-key a Meryl Streep. Like, wasn't Gloria Stefan in that? Am I dreaming this? In sync did a song for it.
1: That feels right. I, I want to shout out, you know, the person who wrote this book right like she has a background in child psychology she certainly knows more about that than us like i'm frying my tamagotchi as we speak she is also the author of the lilac tunnel music in my heart prince in the sand all a number of the historical character mysteries as well as the legend of shark goddess and the joss books what a title oh my god So, like speak back to us if you have a favorite she also wrote braving the lake um Quick Change, Second Chances, like she is all over the place, also a contributor to the American Girl
0: Ultimate Visual Guide, which I have used quite a bit of and I do appreciate. I mean, we can respect it. Wow. I mean, and and also let us know to the degree to which you think these books or this genre inspire Janet Jackson's control. What did you make
1: of the opening of this book, which says, This book is about Melody, but it's also about a girl like you, who travels back in time to Melody's world of 1964. You, the reader, get to decide what happens in the story. What did you make of that particular framing?
0: I hate that. That's where the problems begin, because it flattens the (laughs) difference between me and Melody. First of all, unlike that man on the train in his thoughts, I am not Melody's age. I'm not a girl. No. Am I yet a woman? I don't know. Like stay tuned. But I mean, it it's a weird way to jump off on the book because and I don't blame the author per se because I think she's doing what the genre demands, which is like trying to create an opening where this would make sense to go back in time. But it flattens all the difference. I mean, is that kind of what your take was or how did you feel about it?
1: I think I just learned that I am not built for this level of chaos.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you find Back to the Future stressful? Or Kate and Leopold? Did you ever watch Kate and Leopold with Meg Ryan and um, Hugh Jackman?
1: Certainly did. Can barely handle sliding doors. Netflix tried this with a choose-your-own-adventure television show. Did not care for that at all. I also have a glitchy remote, so that added to my stress further. I would love to meet... Melody I think she is a wonderfully interesting character I just need a lot more information right like Mm -hmm. I need someone else kind of standing to the side I need to understand how we're all gonna interact and this idea that like one page different and I could have been helping Rosa Parks
0: just like didn't work for me no it didn't really it didn't play out in a good way I mean I think like of, of the going back in time genre I think like Kate and Leopold was the most charming and yet the least successful of all the things that we've described. But,
1: you know, if we could go back in time, I would ask someone to please restore the Melody movie. I think that would be like super helpful. I think that would maybe be a choice that I would make. Mm. Or I would simply warn us, like you think the Melody movie is going to be there. You will get Barbie. You will not get Melody. Like Love will not win because they will remove her film that Love has to win they will just take it away.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm with that. I guess we have nothing else to say. We've just like, I guess we solved it. Like don't do this anymore, I guess. But
1: so we've chosen our own adventure, which is that we are going to be partnering up with someone who is a museum expert and an author herself of a really fascinating book that does not involve this kind of like bringing a pencil into it and like crossing off which section you've done or not she is like a longtime correspondent of the show so we are not leaving detroit like we heard you like you want a lot more melody in detroit content like that is going to be coming your way as well as our tamagotchi episode and like plenty more so like do not fret like we are not leaving Motown. we are probably not going to return
0: to this genre for my safety that's right. I think that's we probably won't be back just to help you, support you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're very excited to just have a, a historian of Detroit on the show. And if you belong to our Patreon or you want to join, you can listen to our last Patreon episode, which was on a history of the founder of Barbie. Um, which might put your Barbie viewing experience in context. And this month, we're doing a Patreon episode on digital pets, including Tamagotchis and Neopets. Allison and I are each caring for a Tamagotchi. It's not going great. We'll talk more about that. And where can people find us if they want to get in touch and tell us, you know, future ideas for episodes or just, you know, hot takes?
1: I'm at Allison Horicks on Twitter and or X, I suppose I should say, um, and Instagram. Wow. Both of those platforms last. You can follow the show there, Dolls Lives Pod or Dolls Lives Podcast. Mary, where should people find you?
0: I'm technically still on that platform at Mary Mahoney123, although I'm not on there all that much. But if you really want to get in touch, please write to me on Instagram at me mahoney. I love hearing from everyone and getting back to everyone. Um, yeah, that's about it. We have some great plans for future month's episodes in the works. Very excited about that. And please don't forget to pre-order our book, Dolls of Our Lives, Why We Can't Quit American Girl, which comes out November 7th. We're very excited for that as well. Thanks, everyone. See you on the next episode. Bye.